The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing this week? Oh, I'm, I'm still kind of like, oh, and I just woke up. And we filmed this at 1040. Yeah, yeah. Usually uh, I'm up so early. It's like I'll get up. It'll be 730, 8 o'clock. I can't sleep anymore. And then I'll lay on the couch. And then I'll fall asleep again for another hour or two. This time I kind of uh, bridged through and, and, and hopefully slept all the way. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things I was going to bring up is sleeping Um you know, uh, we've we've had a little bit of a drop off of listenership, and I was trying to figure out, well, what the hell do we do to get people more interested and want to listen? And then I realized there's only one way to do that, and that is by bringing in Jimmy Jack here. Oh, hey, hey, how you doing, man? He told me your numbers were dropping, so I, I figured I'd drop into the show. And, well, you know, you know, I, I appreciate you. Uh... Uh, giving up a day of wrestling alligators to come come on the show. Yeah, we're in a swamp anyway, so they might show up. We're, uh, I'll I'll just give y'all Iggy if that happens. You know, you should be all right. You're not an old lady. I see all the old ladies get killed by uh, by by the alligators. It's a problem. It's, it's definitely a real problem. Well, you know, um, one of the reasons I want to bring Jimmy Jack on is because you just had um, a future shock that was very successful this past. Uh, we yeah, not because of him though. He didn't sell any tickets. I that listen, man. They see the poster and they're like, "Oh, oh is like, that I might have gone anyway." But Jimmy uh, Jack, no, I gotta go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, it, it, let's let's talk really quick about that. Um, that event was really just wonderful to see the 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 attendance. Um, it was it was great to see the fact that so many students who were getting the opportunity now um some of them in their first matches uh you know singles matches what was it like when you saw just how many people were coming into the arena who you know were either family or friends of uh people on the show and does that help you in the future potentially make more fans by you know, them coming for someone they know, but of course seeing the product and all of a sudden starting to go, hey, I like someone like a Jimmy Jack. I want to go back and see it again. Well, I kind of knew we were going to have a really good crowd because these guys, they, the kids sold the tickets in advance. So, you know, RBJ, he, he had already sold, you know, tickets. Yeah. And he was close to 30 tickets sold. Like, it was 20. 
Then, you know, a couple more trickled in. But then, you know, between Fox and also uh, John Trademark, who sold 40 at the, you know, Silverton show for the anniversary, you know, he came in a bit light. You know, I got to say, you know, obviously, obviously the excitement wasn't there for him. He only sold about 20, the poor kid. But... (laughs) So you know when you t- when you take three people and then you know throw in the, the you know the mastermind and a few others, we were at a hundred tickets just from the wrestlers or the students looking to be wrestlers. You know we can we we know we can always count on uh, the Jimmy Jacks and Alice Blairs not to sell one ticket. You know we, <laughs> you know we take that into consideration. Oh, yeah. The poster on the draw. I'm the draw. But they, you know, everybody has, and everybody has their value. And I joke about it when I say they didn't sell tickets because they didn't. But everybody has different values. And, you know, it doesn't come together. You know, a guy like Jimmy Jack has been at the forefront of anytime we needed help, anytime we needed somebody to be there. And that was his catapult to getting on the shows. When we had a couple of spots left, it's like, you know what? This motherfucker works hard. He's there to help when he doesn't need to be. We're setting up for some other show. You know, sure, when we're doing our own show, it's easy to get our students to show up for. But when we're doing a show at the Sahara at a Friday night and trying to get some people there, and all of a sudden there's only five FSW people, including Rocky, it it becomes tight. And then generally a Jimmy Jack, a Jeffrey Excellence. There are certain guys you can kind of count on that are always going to be there. And if they're not, then they'll say, hey, Joe, I'm not able to make it. There's nothing worse than making a post that 57 people read and only two people actually answer your question. Like they answer, like I've said, you know, our students are dumb because they'll go out of their way to answer the dumbest questions. You know, Damian Drake had a post a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, I'm going to Arizona. I got spots in the car if anybody wants to go for a ride. Let me know if you're available. So, of course, one of the students is like, I worked that day. And it's like, well, who gives a shit? Nobody asked you. But when <laughs> you ask a different question that you're actually wanting an answer from somebody, they're, they're, they're nowhere to be seen or heard. So, you know, future shocks are a difficult thing. If the students do not sell tickets to the event, it is going to be a very, very minuscule crowd. You know, we're going to get our regulars and we got the Marlenes and the Jamie and Fred. They'll, they'll come to any show possible. They'll come to watch a show of Jimmy Jack singing karaoke. That's how hardcore they are as FSW fans. If we announce any event, regardless what it is, hey, Jimmy Jack's going to wrestle a bear, they'll be there. I think a lot of people would be there for that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I think he needs to book that one. There you go. So, see, new ideas right here on the podcast. But, <laughs> you know, but, but that's the thing. And it was like, so we knew we were going to have a good amount of people. But then all of a sudden we got a few more walk-ups. And some of the more of the regulars ended up coming in. And that place 
you know, I would have to honestly say, other than the FSW GCW show, which we know was packed to the gills, and that wasn't there, but that was as crowded as I've seen, you know, any high octane that we've had this year. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, Jimmy Jack, when we uh, when we talk about you know future shock, obviously people who are not familiar with the concept it's it's giving the opportunity to some of the younger wrestlers who are students who are just kind of getting their you know feet wet a chance to get in front of a crowd a chance to wrestle some um talented you know people on the fsw roster and and a chance to kind of show what they can do the first question to you is as a student how did it start out for you? What drew you to FSW? And what was it about the training here that makes you want to continue to work hard to show up at the events, to do things other than just show up to class and you know get the wrestling matches you are owed in as some people feel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, trained for about three or so years in Louisiana, um, before I came out here in uh, July of 2021, uh, what brought me out here was a good buddy. I literally from day one training with, uh, Chase Bell had been out here and he came in, uh, I believe Joe, his first match was against ice for the no limits title. Um, so it was like Chase came straight here and kind of was getting these opportunities that back home we I had I hadn't even debuted. Uh, wow. So it was like, and for Chase to come in and get a title match and then be in the tag team with Nick and be featured on shows was like, I it was just all the proof I needed that uh, this was a solid place to be. Um, and that was before I, I, I like, wasn't, uh, I didn't know Sin Bodhi was uh, a trainer here. And I was, I had heard of Cutthroat Cody, wasn't super familiar. I heard of Rain Marcel, had seen uh, a handful of matches. Um, but, uh, and of course, familiar with TJP, who was training uh, Wednesdays at the time, I believe. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was, kind of familiar with all those guys, but it was really just the uh, <clears throat> Chase sending me the shows and seeing the product that FSW is that I was like, I have to, I really have to get out here. And then so, so really quick on that, on that when Chase was telling you about the product, did he ever mention Joe DeFalco? Oh, uh, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, but Just by nature of talking about the show, the boss is going to come up, you know, but uh, Chase what, is... What, Chase, what, what were the what were the things that were coming up about the boss? Uh, he, he, <laughs> you know, he looks like he's getting upset. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it, just the opportunity. Uh, Chase was really appreciative of the opportunities he was getting, uh, and that was the the main thing was that Joe Joe's one to give you a chance. You know, if, if you uh, if you can show some promise, Joe will put you out there. And uh, like with this past week, we saw, uh, you know, a, a bunch of guys, like you said, uh, came in with debuts, all of which showed some promise in class and the trainers had talked them up. But I feel like a lot of our guys really knocked it out of the park. 
especially for for debuts. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'll be honest with you. That's how Jimmy Jack got on the show. Uh, we were doing a show, and Jimmy Jack was not booked. And you know, he can go into it a little more later. But Jimmy Jack, I guess, got COVID. And he wasn't cleared to wrestle for a long time. So it wasn't like, oh, shit, he came to FSW in 2021. It took him that long. Like, he was out for an extremely long time. About but, six, six or eight months. Yeah. And in those six to eight months, if we had a show, he'd hold the camera. He'd come in and he would check out some, you know, he would be around during training. Like, he would make himself seen. And I'm like, hey, you know, a couple of times I thought he was trying to, you know, beat the system with the dudes. I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? You know, you say you can't train, but I kind of see you standing in the ring. And, uh, you know, I'm doing this. And it was like, okay. And But he was always still around to help. And uh, we were doing a TV class where Kenny tries to get people ready with Spider and, and they go through matches. And we kind of had set what the future shock was going to be. And after it was said and done, surprisingly, because I was surprised because Jimmy Jack had only been back for a short period of time and he entered the class. And after it was done, you know, Kenny basically point out a few of the high spots and Jimmy Jack was one of them. And the funny thing is, months earlier, I guess, Sin Bodhi had some event at Sunset Park uh, with a guy named Ken. And Ken was looking to be a manager. But Ken was in, he was out, he was in, he was out. He, he, he never really dedicated any time. And I remember that day, and Sin was like, oh, man, those guys were over. I'm like, Ken's the fucking shits, bro. It's like, you really put this guy on a show? Oh, I made all right. He we were we had him in a tag match. He took all the heat in that tag match, I want to say. He he survived. And and Sin put it over and I brushed it aside. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Sin just trying to save money by putting some guy who's not ready to be on a show on a show. And then that kind of ended it. And then we did the TV class and Kenny put him over. And then I remember Jimmy Jack came up to me like like he was like I am the door waiting for my arrival or something. And then I walked in, he kind of pounced in like, hey, what does it take for me to get on the show? And that wasn't until the future shock. That wasn't for a few months. That was, no, that, that was for future that was for future shock. I know. Yeah. yeah. The, the and same, that's the what happened. We the TV like class, we were having future shock like four days later. And the card was set oh, for yeah. the future shock. Yeah. So Jimmy Jack's like, hey, what is it going to take for me to get on the card? And I'm like, opportunity and timing. You know, sometimes there's a guy who might be ready, but we have the card set and there isn't any spots. But because Kenny puts him over, I am definitely going to make sure that he gets an opportunity at the next one. But I believe something came up and I got you an opportunity on that one, correct? Yes, against Raw Reese. Against Raw Reese. There you go. Yes. Well, the, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say how the, how the tides have turned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, every, it, it's all cyclical, I think. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> you know, he needs to come back to get uh, so Jimmy Jack can get back to W. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'd be happy for that to happen. Well, that's that's a great question. Going into that first scenario, that first match, getting that opportunity, were you surprised? Because I know Joe was at the fact that the crowd reacted to you the way they did. I'm still surprised. I'm still, yeah, I, I I don't comprehend it. I swear he had to like lie and have his friends and family come in because like there was such a roar when he came out. Like, why would the fuck anybody know who this guy is anyway? You know, I could see like he starts wrestling and we're like, oh, we like this guy. This guy is awesome. But like they had never seen him before. Like. There wasn't really many people at Sunset Park watching that abysmal match. There were there. You would be surprised. There was well, I guarantee they weren't. It was abysmal. It was definitely abysmal. But there were a lot of people. You know, but yeah, I'm pretty sure those people weren't the ones who came to Future Shock. So I don't, I don't know why, but you know, Jimmy Jack was born that day. All right. So speaking of the the birth of of Jimmy Jack like that, what was your um, process in, you know, coming up with the character? Was this the same idea you had when you were, you know, trying to get matches in Louisiana? Um, Or was this something you cultivated a little more in class here at FSW? What's what's the whole idea of coming up with Jimmy Jack? Uh. So I, I very much like inside I am uh, like the character. That's how I, 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 you know, in real life, I try to act with a little bit of a filter. But sure. uh, but I think it is really who I am like deep down. But uh, the name is a is a Simbody uh, product for sure. I, that just became we, we have this tradition in Monday class where you know monday is the beginner day it's the you know you're just doing grueling kind of uh really repetitive mechanic stuff or uh you're doing conditioning a lot of the time so it's kind of a hotbed for for teasing and uh you know just whatever and sin couldn't remember a very generic real name so it was hard to remember and he was like ah jimmy jack and that just kind of stuck um but it's really been through uh, developing in class that I kind of get to unlock these uh, parts of myself that I can just put into what I kind of do in the ring. And that uh, is definitely through Sim Bodhi and Cutthroat Cody uh, are, are the two biggest facilitators of that, for sure. And then uh, through their recommendations, uh and, and tape and stuff i find stuff from the past that i can kind of pull like jimmy jimmy valiant is a big uh influence for me sure. uh, uh jimmy valiant hulk hogan um uh buddy rogers is a fun one kind of like when i get to when i get to get a little mean i like to get a little bit of the buddy rogers influence sure. but uh um uh jim duggan is another is a big influence. He was somebody I, I got to meet really early on uh, in the training. That was just like a kind of, one of those big fan moments, you know. Sure. Um, and so that's just something I kind of get to carry with me uh, a little uh, 
just in everything I try to do in, in ring. And then another big in ring inspiration is uh, uh, Tracy Smothers. Tracy Smothers was just the uh, Sin has this uh, this term he likes to use uh, sandpaper smooth or sandpaper rough. Uh, just with how everything looks in the, and just everything Tracy Smothers did in ring looked real, looked yeah. so genuine. Like it was, he's actually every inch of the way. This guy is tussling with his opponent. Like to even his everything. Italian accent sounded very real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, just uh, those are probably those are just a few of the names off the top of my head that I just. Uh, our regulars and tape study for me. And then uh, of course the training of Sim Bodhi, Cutthroat Cody and Remy has, Remy's kind of like the sauce, really gets to, uh, I kind of hit a little bit of a next level uh, when I get to get the tutelage of Remy Marcel. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, now it's really just kind of learning on the job. I've gotten to wrestle Greg Sharp twice. Thank you, Joe, for the, Sure. Hey, him and Remy Marcel, they could be called the French Connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the quarter, the thing. Hey, I'm thinking right here. I'm Yeah. But every time every time I get to wrestle somebody like a like a Greg like a Gregory Sharp is like a, a huge, huge learning experience. You know, it's all a huge learning experience, like how not to cut a twenty minute promo with Anthony Katina across <laughs> you from the ring. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I get the mic. I get. The, I wasn't out there for most of that. I want. I want you. No, to know. I'm saying you know it's a learning experience. Like yeah, you, you know, you see me yelling at him. You know, hey, this is probably oh. not the wisest thing to do. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's learned. I think he's learned as well. You know. But, well, uh, but that's a, that, that's an interesting point too, though. That you know, there are there are some people who are going to look at what Joe says and learn from it. And there's some people who are going to look at Joe, what Joe says and just basically say, kiss my ass. I'm going to do what I want to do, go in business Those for myself. People get to come back typically. So that's not, not the best course of action, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess if you want to get booked somewhere else in town and not be booked on the biggest show yeah. in town, sure, I guess. Yeah. But that's, that's very interesting as a young student. Um, and of course, now you preferenced it by the fact that you had training coming in and you'd been doing it for a while. So you already had your focus. You already knew why you were coming here to do this, but does it kind of baffle you sometimes when you see some of the younger students doing things that aren't necessarily in the best interest of the overall goal of becoming a professional wrestler and the overall goal of, uh, you know, helping make the company a very viable product where people are going to be coming and you're going to be getting on shows because you're a part of that product and part of helping that product. Does it just frustrate you see some, you know, some students just not take the reins and do what they should be doing? Um, I, you can't help but get frustrated at some scenarios, I will agree. But uh, I try not to, I really try not to wear it. Sure. Um, or at least let, cause we got a lot of, we got a lot of younger students. We got some kids uh, coming straight out of high school, some a little closer to my age coming out, but uh, coming out of college. 
but that's still like a, I'm 25, about to be 26. That's still a, uh, you're coming out of college typically around 22, 21, you know, that's still a three, four year age gap. So, and I got out of high school and got, uh, I wouldn't say straight into the business, but I was holding the camera at shows. I was working uh, like two or three different little minimum wage jobs. Uh, I like, I kind of, you know, got into the adult world a little quick. And that's something I uh, recognize doesn't happen super regularly for a lot of, for like, especially coming straight out of high school. So I don't, uh, and everybody has their moments of short sightedness, you know, where, where we don't really see the bigger picture. Uh, I, I always come at it from a lens of we're all here to put on a show. We, we should all put the effort in to be uh, putting out the best show possible. And that's the professional and professional wrestling, uh, you know. So I just come at it with that mentality. Um, just because that's a, uh, you know, uh, that professional mentality is something I had to learn coming straight out of high school, uh, working, you know, a couple different jobs. So, uh, not everyone has that has had that character development moment yet, you know. Um, sure. Uh, I just, you know, you recognize it in the ones that do, um, and that's at all levels. That's not just the fresh students coming in. That's from, you know, talent that's been here a while or. Uh, guys in production or you know we all have our moments where we don't see the overall picture of the show um i feel like joe being at you know kind of the top being the the head of the company really uh gets a better uh uh, understanding of the full picture and so that's what I, i feel like a lot of his frustration especially on show days comes from that of just he can't help but see the bigger picture and then everyone else is having their short-sighted moments. Um, yeah, that- funny story. So we're going to set up at the Silverton. I bring in the uh, the waters and the prime drinks for the wrestlers for the show. And we're literally 10 minutes in to setting up the ring. And this guy Irving, who had been disappeared for a long time, comes back. And these motherfuckers got like prime drinks and they're drinking them. Like, what part of did you not think this was for the show? Oh, somebody said it was, uh, I forgot the word he used, open open season or something. Like, so some other student said, yeah, yeah, go drink whatever you want. And you figured that was normal policy, that the drinks for the show weren't really the drinks for the show. They were for the ring crew who got there 10 minutes before. And the the other thing is being a guy like Jimmy Jack who shows up and he helps like I always wonder how frustrating is it when you know we post that we need help or setting up the ring and you're only one of five or six people who show up because the other 15 people that are whining and crying about not getting any opportunities never seem to be there to help do what when when you first sign up. You know, that was one of the first things I tell you, you know, this is what's expected of you. We expect you to help clean the bathroom, wipe down the chairs before a show, set up the chairs. And, you know, we're lucky we have our own building. So 
out of every 30 shows we do, you know, four or five of them are actually outside of FSW. So you're not, you know, you're not setting up the ring every two weeks for a show. You know, all you're doing is kind of taking that little area you got. And it boggles my mind how many, how so many people can just wait 20, 30 minutes of work that you just shake your head. And it's like, if you can't put in the work that's that minimal for that, how, how are you able to be able to jump the line of, of potential wrestlers trying to get bookings if your work ethic is, is, is that low? I don't know. You know, yeah. you, you generally see from early on the guys that have a shot over the other ones because they put in the time and they put in the effort. And you can see so many people, you know, fall by the wayside. You know, I, I guarantee you Jimmy Jack could see the guy he had his first match with and knew that that guy was going to implode any time. Uh, it's a... Uh... I don't look at it too much like that about what, like, oh, I bet he's going to fall. I, you know, everybody has, uh, everybody comes and goes, uh, you know, uh, it, for different reasons. Uh, it, it'll be some of the ones that you, you would least expect would be the ones to stick around for the, for the long haul and be the ones to show up. It's just, uh, I look at it at those ring crews, like you were saying, where we only have seven people or so show up. It's like those are the those are the seven that want it, you know. Those are the seven that really, you know, just love of the business. Uh, just I I can't help but do anything but be a part of this game, you know, because uh, that's how I feel. And so when I when I see the when I see the people that show up to those with me, I, I just uh, recognize the the kindred spirit there. Okay. Uh, so with you. You know, getting the chance to not only work FSW, but you know, a little little bit around town as well. You're getting the experience. Well, you're getting the experience in the ring. How 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 is it for you in terms of getting that opportunity to um, to work some of these guys who, um, you know, in some cases, like you've been talking about might not be around in in a few months uh or some of the guys who've been around for a while and you get to like like a greg sharp you get that experience with how has it been for you in terms of just allowing yourself that opportunity to a not be too critical on yourself because i know that's a hard thing (laughs) um we've all been there man yeah Uh, and and B knowing that listening to the the other guy who's you know let's say been in the business for ten years five years and getting that feedback and you know uh, that first match you had now you're going into the second match with them and it's so much easier to talk over the match and what you want to accomplish and you're on the same page. I mean, how has that been in just kind of learning how? everyone works and how you can draw from other people to then make yourself better because that's what they're trying to do is help you elevate so they look good and you look good absolutely um i i'm really really lucky 
to be in FSW and then uh, a wider scope Vegas and even wider scope the West Coast. Um, I, I'm only really about 20 matches or so deep. I, I don't keep an official count. I'm sorry, Chris Bay. I know I should. Uh, but, uh, but I've gotten to wrestle such a variety already. Um, and, and just, I, and from all different realms, you know, we, every different spot has, you kind of see the same flavor of guys, you know, uh, like, Oh, you know, AZ has a guy that reminds me a lot of this guy in Cali. There's guys in Cali that remind me a lot of guys I knew back in Louisiana. Um, but it really is, uh, you got to be open to learning whatever lesson is there, you know? And it's not always going to be like wrestling somebody who's maybe like a, he's like a weekend guy. You know, he's like, he's got the, the nine to five, he's got a wife and kids, you know, but he's like, he's done this 60 mile stretch of road. He's been working it for the last like, you know, 15 years. You know, you see a lot of guys like that. And there's like, I respect the hell out of those guys. Cause they know what they're like, they know their turf and they, they have something to teach you. Um, and then there's, you know, you might wrestle somebody who's maybe not, uh, I hate using better or worse, but maybe uh, somebody who at, on that day didn't uh, didn't see the story the same way you were seeing it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe you went with their version of things and it didn't really play out, but you got to get some of your like what you were coming with. And that's the part that worked. You know, that teaches you that teaches you something as well. It's all, yeah. but every every scenario uh, plays out very differently, you know. Uh, like the the lesson of it all comes from a different place every time. So you just gotta be. I, I come in. I try to come into every match and every show, anything I'm doing, just blank slate, no no real expectations or anything trying to get in the way of uh, what the reality of the situation is. And then I'm going to just accept the reality for what it was, uh, you know, and uh, I appreciate you saying, like, try not to be hypercritical on myself. Uh, but I feel like if you want to be something and you want to be successful in this business, don't ever lose that hyper uh, criticalness of yourself. Uh, you know, just like every match could be better. You always miss some, some moment some kind of and i'm missing a lot of them right now i'm i'm screwing up a lot like i said only about 20 matches deep i can sure. think of about I, I don't think i've had a match yet where i was like there weren't 17 things i could have done better at sure. least, you know? um but it's just you know you uh net you know you take the lesson and next match you try to make it 16 only 16 things you could have done better right just try and I pick one thing and just make sure you hit that and uh, try a result, like fix that problem, <clears throat> like make it no longer a problem. Yep. Uh, yeah. and it's really just, you can always, you can always take that from whatever, whatever the match matchup is, whatever, whoever your opponent is, your tag partner is what, or even if you're not doing a match, even if it's just a segment on a show, 
it's all, you always have something to learn. You know, Joe, you get the opportunity of having a, a guy in Jimmy Jack that obviously is willing to learn, is very serious about being a professional wrestler, is a little more mature in terms of, you know, his perspective, as he said, you know. He, yeah, I figured he was 35, so, you know. <laughs> I get that but, a lot. <laughs> but for you, when you look at him, and, and like you're saying, he's still, he's still learning, he's still, you know, making mistakes or making uh, choices that he thinks he could do better. Does that in your mind start to make you go, okay, what can I do to utilize him to make him grow, but also to find something that will stick for us as a company? And that being something like maybe, um, you know, I know, I know you joke about like a tag team, but you know, uh, would a tag team benefit a wrestler in his, uh, you know, in his situation right now? Um, or does does it make any sense to give a guy in Jimmy Jack's position um, a chance at, you know, a championship, you know, to just see a small program of what he could potentially do? How do you, how do you utilize what you see as the potential what you know could potentially help him learn and then reaching where you want to get him for the future of your company. Well, see, the thing is he, as he said, he's barely had 20 matches. He's, he's got a long way to go when it comes to wrestling and having, you know, top tier matches. And, and right now he's riding the crest of, the character, the personality. And the hardest thing to do is for people to give a shit about you. Right. You, you, yeah. you could go look at our shows, and there's guys who can far out-wrestle Jimmy Jack, but there's not a peep in the audience because they don't feel they know them. They don't feel bonded by them. You know, it's always been in wrestling the emotional connection. So for whatever reason it is... Jimmy Jack has that, which now allows me to maybe put him on bigger shows that we wouldn't have normally put someone at his level on because, you know, go go watch the WWE. Go, go watch guys who get a lot of TV time, and whether they win or lose, it doesn't matter. They're building their brand by getting the TV time. Right. So... When the time is right for Jimmy Jack to get some wins at some of the smaller shows and and against some of the other competition, but he's getting the opportunity to wrestle way better guys than someone at his level normally might. Right. And the fact of the matter is, he's already this lovable big underdog. It's Jimmy Jack. He's a big motherfucker. So you know he's. Because of his size, he's got that heavyweight's punch, that that one-punch knockout. He can beat anybody at any given day if the time is right. So that's always in your mind. A tag team, I don't – if it's a way to get him on a show, sure. You know, we're, we're already talking about the 14th, uh, high octane. And we are going to have a six-man tag with the Billionaire Boys Club of class, Jordan Cruz – 
and Devin Reno and give them their kind of coming out party of the first time that they align. Well, they're heels. So I need to have three over baby faces that people will care about to watch them wrestle. Well, Jimmy Jack, you know, is the first guy on that list. You know, you're, there's enough angles and storylines going on where we already announced Remy Marcel versus Jacob Austin Young, number one contenders match for the Nevada State. They were in the four-way, neither one got pinned. So let's have a match to decide. Uh, ABC, the Bullet Club, they're going to be here on the 30th. So we need, we need somebody to wrestle. Well, I could pick the West Coast Wrecking Crew, former two-time tag team champions Royce and Jarrell. But, hey, let's have a match. So let's have the Suavecitos who are getting to wrestle Kushida. Like, yeah. wow, these motherfuckers, you know, are stepping up. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we have the former champs, Fresco and Watson. And we also have Sky High. So let's have a cool four-way. So that's going to go there. And we had the Battle Royal at the anniversary show. Who were the final two guys? Hey, Big Fonz and Brett the Threat. Hey, I want to see that single match. Yeah. And that's going to happen. And because of the six-woman tag, we got Brittany Brooks against Gypsy Mac. And now, now we're already at four matches. So now we need something for class and, and, and that crew. Well, Jimmy Jack's the, the perfect guy. He's got size. He's believable. And then, you know, I was looking at a Johnny trademark, and I was looking at an RBJ as the other two guys. And I got just informed that Johnny trademark's going away to the Philippines. I guess he's going on the uh, Philippine tour for the next uh, three weeks after his uh, match this week. Uh, he's getting the big bucks. He'll be wrestling TJP. Well, they, or they heard about your gate, Joe. They heard about yeah, yeah, they're they're like, the money you were making. Yeah. Like, hopefully he can sell some more tickets. So, you know, so now it's like, okay, well, and, and Remy was the guy who was like, hey, what about this? What about these guys versus them? So, of course, you know, in my head. But now who's another option? Well, a guy like Fox is a is, is an option. You know, he sells tickets. Yep. You know, he's being he's being presented as a babyface. So, you know, even though it's the bigger show, when there are spots, we're trying to get it. You know, if, if Jimmy Jack was a heel, we got Funny Bone returning. So now I need to find, you know, maybe a, a newer heel upstart. You know, that thinks he's being, you know, left off shows and, and having anger issues or whatever it is. You never know. Maybe he's going to wrestle Action Braxton for the No Limits type. But we're still putting the ideas of who's going to work Funny Bone. And, and in my mind, like, he was like, hey, you know, it's cool. I work some of the younger dudes. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But beating the shit out of Braxton's always fun. You know what I'm saying? So... You know, we're trying to put it together, you know, the, for the for the matches on the show. And, you know, in all honesty, that wasn't even a thought. You know, I was thinking of doing uh, maybe Jordan Cruz versus a Remy Marcel after yeah. the after the turn. But, you know, in the office, you know, talking that be because we have stuff to build to. We have September 10th and survival of the fittest. And that's usually a show that's going to feature uh, some Survivor Series type matches, 
you know, gauntlet match, Iron Man match, whatever it is, it's always some kind of combination of that. And, you know, we are set to go and it's like, okay, well, where are the stories going to go in that situation? Because we have built some stories and but we're also going to have, you know, a guy like Sharp. Well, he's going to have to wrestle the winner of uh, Remy Marcel and Jacob Boston Young. So we're going to see probably that match on the 30th of uh, July. Of July. But we don't know yet. You know, it might go to August 12th. And But things have a way of extending themselves. You know, Nick Xander's requested uh, some mic time. Uh, and it's pretty easy to know that uh, he's not real happy with Jay Vidal's conduct in the in the in the cash in the case ladder match. So that could lead to something on the 30th. So and, and that's what brings the fans in, you know, the stories that they're seeing right there. Anybody and I see it around town, you know, hey yeah, that's a good match. Oh yeah, well that's a good match. But none of them have the build up. Usually it's just and and, and we did shows like that, Legends Rise. Hey, we're going to do a, a future Legends tournament, and we're just going to put matches together. But we see the core audience wants to be enthralled by something. And having match after match after match after match, which doesn't have a lot of meaning in terms of other than wins and losses, the fans want to buy into a story. They want to they believe. They want to to be able to be pigeonholed and for that two hours, three hours of time, they want to believe it's real. Yeah. And, and that's why there's larger than life characters. And, you know, Jimmy Jack has become a larger than life character. You know, look how long it took Roman Reigns for anybody to give a shit. Like they were like, get this fucker off TV. And he was their yeah. champion and they didn't care. And, you know, it tur- it basically took him turning heel for people to, like, worship this guy and acknowledge him. Right. You, know, you, you look up and down the FSW roster and you see guys, hey, Remy's coming out, you know he's going to get a big pop. Oh, Cody's coming out, he's going to get a big pop. Dick Boston Young's going to come out. Oh, Chris Bay's going to come out. But you aren't going to be like, no offense, but you're not going to be like, oh, Jeffrey Excellence, yeah, crowd's going to go crazy. I think you got what? a pretty good reaction. They got a pretty good reaction on the pre-show. Relax. <laughs> pre-show. The pre-show in the first couple of matches, the crowd are so excited about wrestling, and it's great because it isn't like that everywhere, but if for some reason at FSW shows, if you wrestle the first, second, or third match, regardless of what you do, you're over. Even Brandon G's over, if you, you can gave him, You gave him excellence and greatness in the pre-show, though. So that, that that just you know yeah yeah I, you know I kind of put that together on purpose so yeah, yeah yeah but but the thing is when you're talking about lower guys on the on the totem pole and guys that are on the low card or their their future shot guys you know none of them get the reaction but Jimmy Jack does so you know you you can't sit there and try to figure it out you just have to kind of utilize it and for him. That gives him more opportunities. Yeah. 
And by also working hard and being helpful, it kind of kept him in the loop. So when the time was right, boom, we struck. There's probably two or three shows that he wasn't going to be on that he was. And it was probably also two or three shows that I didn't know he was going to be there that I had him on it and he wasn't able to make it for whatever reason. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of talent in FSW, as we can see by Future Shock. There's a lot of people that were on Future Shock that did really, really well that won't be on the show on the 14th or the 30th. Right. Just because it's the numbers game. You know, Danny Limelight was available the 14th. But I left them off, and I'm going to use them on the 30th just because I got to make space for, for for wrestling. Our Nevada State champion, he didn't make, you know, the last uh, arena sh show. Right. And we're having a contenders match. So we're leaving him off the show on the 14th with the idea that the 30th will be Gregory Sharp defending. Right. And Ice Williams will not be on the 14th he might be there physically and they you know they're going to probably want mike time and braxton's going to be defending and and fresco and watson are going to be in the tag match so i guarantee you ice williams will either be on commentary or or he'll be annoying everybody on the outside no, so he why he doesn't annoy you no i think he's a great champion uh, <laughs> you know but the bottom line is when you replace them, like I'm figuring out where's Matt Vandegrift go? Don't have a match for him at this point. And we're almost six or seven matches in for the 14th. So there's only one other match, which is, you know, the Joe's favorite scramble match usually. That, you know, it's a way to get four people on a show. A Jordan Oasis hasn't got a match on the 14th. So... There's no Hammerstone. So the question becomes now trying to get Hammer back into the mix a little, you know, and there's Tito Escondido. These guys are in Japan. Why, yeah. I'm not going to use fucking Tito or Che, you know, and it, it, it's a tough thing to do because then sometimes you say, hey, maybe we should run three shows a month. Well, when there's only four weeks in the month, it becomes really difficult because there's also six other shows in town. Right. And a lot of them use a lot of our younger guys. So now it just becomes so convoluted that you want your show to be special. Well, I need my show to be special. And, you know, I work with a couple of the other ones in town to where, hey, we were going to run that day anyway. You can change it. I'm like, sure. You give me a thousand dollars, I'll move the date for you, Millhouse. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the kind of guy that I am. But you know, I don't want to run against you. And he, you know, he made the point, and it turned out to be a better move. We were going to do July 29th, for example. Okay. And there you go. Now you don't have to wrestle on our show on the 29th because we don't have a show. And just not what I was meaning, but. I'd have been happy to wrestle my birthday. Yeah, that, but, uh, but yeah. So he, needless to say, gonna, he's going to end up wrestling on the 29th at the other, you know, at the other show. <laughs> oh, of course he is. I know now. Yeah, 
what they do is they wait to see who's on Future Shock. And now all of a sudden I see RBJ's on the show. It was like, hey, nobody wanted this motherfucker before. Rumors must have spread he sold 30 tickets. And now Ricky's using him for the Big Valley show. Thinking that maybe Britain, he's like, hey, Joe, can I get a list of everybody who sold at least five tickets? Oh, what do you need that for? Oh, I'm just uh, I'm just using a diary. I just like to keep track of the of the students that, you know, really help out and sell tickets. <laughs> then he hits him up. Hey, bro, if you sell 10 tickets, I'll put you on the show. You know what I'm saying? You could be you could beat Fresco for the title. <laughs> but as I was saying, because we moved the 29th to the 30th, well, Impact was running the 29th. Right. So now we got Chris Bay and Ace Austin defending the titles on the 30th that we wouldn't have had on the 29th. We got Jay Vidal available. We got Kenny King available because, you know, little Bodie, he wants a piece of Kenny King. And right. that's a possibility for a match on the 30th. So we've turned that into a super show. You right. know, that show's so good, I got to charge a few more bucks for front row. You know what I mean? You know, just paying Kenny King alone is going to break the bank. <laughs> and now that Jay Vidali hangs out with Giselle Shaw, and now he starts trying to bang me for more money. You know, where's the loyalty? I made that guy. Um. You know when you when you look at uh, when you look at uh, you said like a Jordan Oasis when you see a guy like Jimmy Jack you see a guy like Jordan do you see the potential of those two being their size being the uh, characters that that potentially down the road could be something that would be fairly interesting because you know again we see a lot of the you know, the guys who are high flyers, a lot of the um, no limits type guys, but it's harder to come across some of these bigger guys who the fans are invested into um, and could potentially put on a good match between the two of them. Is that something that you look for is, is that growth in, in the wrestler and the characters to where, when you can bring the bigger guys together, just, becomes a, a better match for you because i know you kind of like that style you know well yeah like katina was a big guy and and he had told me he was going to be in town for about a month and we used him at the anniversary but by then i totally spaced out and i literally actually had jimmy jack wrestling brandon g on the show on the uh at future shock and then katina hit me up and he was like hey just touching base making sure we're good for the first and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm glad you reminded me because I totally forgot that you were even in town. I, you know, I'm thinking he was in town for a couple of weeks, so we used him for the anniversary. And then it was like he was leaving the third. Well, besides being an idiot on the microphone saying some stupid shit, you know, he's a very talented guy. He's yeah. a very nice guy. I like Anthony Katina, but he has to be reined in a little. It's like, dude, if you're at OVW where it's pretty much his home base – if you would have did on that show with Al Snow, they would have fucking took you out back and whooped your ass. Like, yeah, dude, what were you doing? Like, yeah, Tony Gunn would have been pissed off. And yeah, you yeah, know, between yeah. between the first match at Future Shock, not the pre-show, the first match and the opening segment, they put us twenty minutes behind schedule. 
in one match and not even a match, a segment where the guy talked fucking forever. Yeah. And thankfully, everybody else went back on time and, you know, everything ended up being good. And we ended up, we probably were over at about uh, 9, 15, 9, 20, which, you know, anywhere between two and two and a half hours, I'm fine with. Future Shocks, I like to keep it about two hours because since there are a lot of younger guys, we're not doing 12, 14 minute matches. But unfortunately, the first seven minute match went 13, 14 minutes. I was fucking dying out there. Like, dude, what are you doing? Jake Painter's like, oh, that's my apologies, bro. You know, I didn't know how long we had. Well, how about you read the fucking sheet of paper, you fucking idiot? Like, that is no excuse to say, I had no idea how much time we had. You had two other guys in the ring. You didn't ask any of them how much we got. And he's another one. He's trained by Rikishi. You think if we pulled that at Rikishi's? Well, Rikishi's dif- different. He would have just fined him and charged him more money to put in his pocket. That's a smart way. Find these guys. <laughs> uh, so as we kind of get ready to wrap up here, uh, Jimmy Jack, you know, as, as you're growing in the experience, um, you kind of mentioned, of course, uh, Chase Bell. Uh, have you ever uh, – thought about that being something you want to do uh down the line is is wrestle chase oh wrestle chase yeah i think that'd be a nice little match to uh to get he he is probably the one i've had uh the most matches with that no one has ever seen right um so i would love to get to do that in front of a crowd just anything at all with chase in front of a crowd i would i would love the opportunity just where wherever Joe sees it fit, I would love to get that that chance. We got to uh, be in the, this past battle royal, actually the, the Nick Bockwinkle battle uh, memorial battle. Royal. We got to be in the ring at the same time, and just just that little bit of time is so so golden, so appreciated to me, uh, or by me, I should say. That I'm I'm uh, yeah, just anything. Yeah, I, I would love to wrestle Chase. I'd wrestle Chase a hundred times on a hundred FSW shows. I would tag with Chase. I would do whatever I could. Uh, that that would be a great one. Um, yeah. Any there's, anything anywhere we could fit it. There's a tag team for you, Joe. Chase and Jimmy Jack with uh, the Mastermind as their manager. Well, I had one good name. I had uh, Jimmy Jack and Manny Lemons. Hard <laughs> lemonade, brother. <laughs> There's something there too. There's, there's, yeah, there's birch money you know. with that one. Well, yeah. I mean, if, I guess if we sell the drink, uh, is that kind of merch money? Do we get money kickback from the bar? Maybe on that one. What was that? Would we get if say we did a casino show or something? Would we get kickback from the bar and we we had we were selling hard? Yeah, lemonade? we have the Jimmy Jack's hard lemonade. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We could, we could. Yeah, Silverton ain't kicking back shit. Oh, okay, well. But I do have an update. We did we did talk yesterday. We we got the settlement check and uh, okay. the reviews were in. He says to me, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is that right? Oh yeah, you guys were a big hit. Everybody loved it. You know, ba 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 ba. You know, love to have you back. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, love to be back, but you know, we need lighting. It's like you know. My contract states this, 
Oh, well, yeah, there was the charge for that. Well, you didn't tell me there was a charge for that. If you would have told me there was a charge for that, then I could at least made a decision. So we have September 10th on hold at the Silver Nugget and at Silverton. So we basically, you know, there were certain things on our end and easily fixed. But on their end, they were talking about, hey, well, you don't have to have a lighting guy because I'm not paying another $600 for a lighting guy. All I need is the lights on the fucking ring. The problem was they couldn't change them without the lighting guy. So he's like, oh, you know, if you let me know in advance the day before, like all the lights that are pointed this way, they can now go this way. So at least it gets more lit up and not have to turn the antlers up to get light in the place. And it was like it was pretty abysmal how dark the ring was. Yeah. You know, and it's like. For the people watching there, it's okay. You know, they, they not the biggest deal. But people that are watching it on fight, it's pretty yeah. dark because you got the camera is now all the way back here. Yeah. So yeah. now you got to shoot into where it's not very bright. But, you know, uh, I understood their part. He understood my part, I hope. You know, the fortunate thing is uh, – there's a lady who runs the box office, Angelia. She used to come to, like, Samstown shows with her boyfriend. Like, she loves wrestling. And it was like, you know, hey, I got tickets for her. You know, I let her sit. And, you know, the three of them, they work for the company. So they're putting it over. You know, there's a guy I had no idea who he was from the food and beverage department who ended up running the bar. And it was like, oh, so great to have you guys back. I was here the last time you were here. It was awesome. And it was like, right. And, you know, we got the numbers on the bar. And I'm not 100% positive, but I was talking to Sugar Brown, who happened to be in the audience, and he was getting himself a crown and Coke and for him and his wife. And I happened to be behind the commentary because NJ finally showed up uh, by the seventh match, you know, really prompt. And I was standing there because I was talking to the bartender guy. And then when I looked over... It looked like there was, like, literally five bottles of alcohol. Like, is there not a full bar here? I do not know. And then they had another bar, which I didn't know. But I have no idea, didn't see. And then I was found out that they only had four types of beers. Probably not Bud Light because of what's going on. Who knows? But I believe we did have Bud Light. I okay, there you go. But I don't know what they were. But then they had no food, no snacks. Right. And then I got the numbers. And we used to have a drink guarantee at the at Sam's Town was $3,000, which was a fair number for a show that was three hours, whatever. And he didn't give me full numbers, but he was like, yeah, we did about 2500 They didn't open the bar to like 20 minutes before the show started. So when there was three, 400 people there at doors at right. 4 o'clock, because there was a line of a hundred people, so at, right when we opened the doors at four o'clock, we're letting people in. I'm sure they so, were all getting bar, getting hitting the bar in the casino. Right. Floor. So he's <laughs> like, "Oh, and they, you know, next time we'll get the the hot dog cart." He goes, "You know, because everything, you know, we did everything late." And it was like, "Dude, I was talking to you Super Bowl weekend about getting the contract signed, which was in fucking February." Yeah. And we didn't sign the contract till. Mid-May. I yeah. think it might have been May 5th. And then it was like, now we had to process the stuff. And I told him, I said, the marquee looked phenomenal. The, 
the upgrading of the system what they have it's yeah. like looking at the sphere it's like yeah. it's amazing the quality of yeah. the picture and it was like future stars of wrestling blah 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 problem was it was up for eight days right yet i gave them the information four weeks beforehand so the people that we had there were basically everything that was done to get people into the silverton was because of fsw we didn't right. get help from anybody we put that many people in your place you charged us for the room you charged us a four dollar and fifty cent processing fee for every ticket sold and you did 2500 minimum at the bar yeah to me that's a good day you know yeah. and of course it became yeah you know we made a few dollars everybody makes a few dollars it's like I, nobody ever makes any money it's it's mind-boggling how none of these venues they we bring in six seven eight thousand dollars and they didn't make any money well a i paid for the lighting guy so that was the only guy running the board so the security was probably guys from security who would normally be working at the silverton and they 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 cycle a couple into the venue yeah and you hired two bartenders probably for four hours because you didn't get there early right and the main guy's probably not probably i guarantee you he's on salary because right. he's the guy who runs the entertainment department so what cost five thousand dollars to where we couldn't have made you a good a good amount of money but you know we've lived and learned at, at samstown gary no matter what we would do i always remember the day when we had hardy and and, and brian cage and there was a new guy forgot his name he took over because gary took over for all the properties boyd gaming and our drink guarantee was like three thousand and we did like five thousand, and he was like, "Oh man, you guys killed it! You guys did boo 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 boo." And Gary was right there, and his response was, "Well, yeah, you know, you did five thousand, but you got to remember that's the gross revenue; it's not the net revenue." And it's like, okay, it costs six fucking cents to make a fucking drink. Bro. It's like you were happy with three thousand. Why are you not ecstatic with five? When we did three thousand, we hit our number. That was the number you needed to make it worthwhile now you did five and you're making up an excuse as to like it isn't any better than three and you know unfortunately as i said you know the, the other day i go to i use the house seats they're fucking terrible they got nothing good on there you know it's like whatever you know you can go to the jimmy kimmel thing or whatever so I always see this guy, Gordy Brown, okay? Gordy Brown plays at the Golden Nugget. He's played for years. He does good impressions. He's a funny guy. Never seen him. Wife's like, yeah, we'll go. So Thursday, we go there. I get the house seats. And it's a, it's a venue that they do, like, Night Ranger played there and a lot of bands. And Lita Ford's playing there. And it probably seats about 1,000, 800. Well, literally... I got a house seat and they're trying to sit me in the front row, but in the corner, I'm like, yeah, I can't even see the motherfucker. I'll just sit in the fifth row because there's nobody there. It's like this guy's being paid every single day of the week. Yeah. And he's not drawing a hundred people. And there was a group of like 30 people. And he was like, Hey, I just want to welcome the people from the public relations company that's having their convention there who obviously got free fucking tickets. So my point is they'll pay this guy 
right to be there right five six days a week and they'll rely on comp tickets and house seats but they'll right. pay the the companies we deal with we don't ask you to pay me we'll just take the door and we're going to bring in four five six hundred people into your casino that you know some people are going to eat you know the veil pavilion they're smart you can't go and just leave you right. have to go to the casino to go into the garage now if you think nobody's throwing 20 40 50 bucks into your machines you're out of your mind right. if you don't think anybody especially even the wrestlers are going to the cafe and spend half their money at the show that they made to uh, go eat. Go eat. I, I, Everybody I goes Johnny to eat. Oh, yeah, the Johnny Rockets, and they have the yeah. most expensive fucking shakes you'll ever have. They're good, though. They're really good. It was really good. And their burgers are really steep, but there's so many people that we've brought into your casino, but you act like we have less value than the guy you paid. And that's yeah. what I never understood. It was like the last time we were there. That food and beverage people. They had a concert that had like 80 people there. But guess what? 80 people's fine, except that you had to pay the guy. So probably whatever you made, you paid that dude and you made zero. Right. So you can have Billy Ocean there all you want or Juice Newton like they do. And they're having Los Lonely Boys playing there. And it's like, yeah, I, I heard of them. They had one great song. 25 30 years ago like are you gonna tell me 500 people are paying to go to that concert i say fuck right. no right i say maybe 100 or 200 are and if they do have house seats then they might have 500 people which is great but they just paid this band what five ten thousand dollars to perform so they can have an entertainment act inside their venue right like why can't you give us the room for free? We'll run a show every four weeks. And at worst, we're going to do two, 3,000 in liquor. You're going to bang us a bit for the room, but you can give us a break on the room and you can charge your fees and you're going to walk out of there with guaranteed money. Yet all these shows in Vegas will run these small shows, not because they can't fit 500 people in it, but only because only 50 people are showing up. And I've seen Wow at Bally's, and I've seen numerous shows that there's 50, 60, 70 people there. They got 50 people that are working at the Wow show doing all the, the, the stunts and the things they got. So are you not telling me everybody's not getting 500 a week? You're paying out $20,000 a week, yet nobody's showing up to this fucking show. Yeah. Like, wh why is the wrestling not as valuable? Like, it's the perception of like the NASCAR used to be. Like, right. we're, look at WWE. Their gates are bigger and bigger and bigger than they've ever been because you're charging more money. You know, there was a time where you go to Raw and it was half empty all the time. And now it, it's, 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 it's recycled back. Wrestling is popular. Like, we right. didn't do a lot. We didn't advertise a lot. And we sold a good amount of tickets. Yeah, we can credit the, the, the students again. They sold... Instead of 30, 40 tickets for a casino show, they sold over 100. But it's way different than the anniversary show when they sold over 300 because we did $10 tickets for the 10-year anniversary show. Right. And we had eight, 900 people in there. And it's like, you know, there's got to be value. The, the front row, a group of four, they paid almost $300 for tickets. 
because you had to go through the Silverton. So the $45 ticket was, you know, 50 bucks. So a party of four is 200. Well, if there was food and drink or they went to eat beforehand, one group of four could be spending $500. Yeah, we're getting two of it maybe, but they're going to go to J uh, Johnny Rockets. They're going to go to the, uh, the, the noodle place. They're going to go to the Mexican restaurant. That's good. I've been there numerous times. They have a steakhouse. You know, they got, and then again, I saw people walking in with food and drink. So they walked in with their soda. So now again, we don't get credit for that. If $500 was spent outside in drinks to come in, at least with Samstown, they didn't let you in. So we, at least you had to walk out to get your drink. But right. you also bought a ticket at Samstown, and on the back of the ticket said, good for one free drink at the bar. Well, you go outside before the show, you get that drink instead of paying $6 for the drink. Right. So we're bringing value to your casino. And it's really disappointing in how our value doesn't seem to mean as much as a lot of other people's. And, yeah. you know, we're the only company in fucking Vegas that has gone to a hotel casino and run shows and have drawn huge numbers, yet you know, the respect seems to be extremely limited. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot for you there, Jimmy Jack, uh, to uh, process on the business of uh, pro wrestling. Huh? I learn a lot about the business every time I get to talk to Joe. <laughs> well, that's that's the whole point, right? You know. Hey, when Damian Drake is feeling sad, he comes to the school hoping I'm there and I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that uh, that's a good note to, to end on here this week. Uh, Jimmy Jack, appreciate you uh, stopping Thank by. You, and just really nice. Uh, Joe, maybe uh, uh, how about a Louisiana swamp match between Jimmy Jack and Chase Bell? You get, you get me the alligators, we're good to go. All right, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. And what we could do is we do the, the, the alligators do the run-in and then it turns into a tag match with Jimmy Jack and Chase versus the two Gators. It's right there. He's brilliant. See, brilliant. I'm always. See, that's what you got to understand, Jimmy Jack. My mind is going 24/7. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, when I die, they should put it. You know, you see these sci-fi movies. You know, put my brain and suck out all the info, and I could book shows like we could book Chat GPT. And I could book shows for like 10 years after I'm dead. Oh, yeah. That way we don't have to worry about my Every kid or Rocky trying to do it. into the computer and it's that easy. Yeah, simple. Yeah. You know, who would you rather have, a dead me or my kid book in the shows? <laughs> you know, that's an easy question, everybody. <laughs> I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to answer. This would be recording it. Somebody's going to send it to Joey. <laughs> Well, there you have it, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. And until next week, we'll talk to you guys later.